Watch Podcast. And just like that, we're back again. Welcome to Hodge on Nodges. London buses, I tweeted this earlier. You wait ages for a pod of mine and then two come along at once. But this is the pod that's a wee bit different from the rest of them. This is Behind Enemy Lines. The third one, the second one on my channel, and the third one overall. And I'm delighted to say that to my left, I have Mr. Benjamin Bloom. Ben, how are you doing tonight, mate? Yeah, London buses get in less trouble on Twitter, though, don't they, Hodge? <laughs> Steady on, mate. Steady on. I, I, it took me a wee bit of time to convalesce and recover for that, and he's going in there with a two-footed challenge right away. I'll tell you what, Ben. Right, have any more of that, and you're on a sending off. Mate. I'm, it's going to be. I'm drinking on the pod, so. <laughs> Although my missus is very pregnant, so I I can only yeah have that amount because I need to be able to drive it. Yeah, I was going to say you better you better not be driving after a full glass of wine, man. Um, no, but it's lovely lovely to be back. It's me. It's lovely to see you and uh, hear your lovely voice again. Um, I would say that there's quite a lot to talk about about Norwich City and Ipswich. If you are new to this podcast, then what me and Ben are aiming to do? I'm obviously a Norwich fan. He's an Ipswich fan, but nobody's perfect. So we are trying to bring together the audience of both of these football clubs while also we, we both know a bit about English League football. So having just informed debate and chat about all of these things, things like Norwich City signing Ipswich Town youngster Liam Gibbs because we're just a bigger club and a better platform, stuff like that. But what we will say is, even though there's going to be a bit of banter between us as fans of the respective clubs, it's in a respectful way. Also, I would invite anyone who's watching, and by the way, thank you for such such good numbers watching the pod right now. Um, if you're watching on Periscope, on Twitter, on YouTube, or on Facebook, please leave a comment, say hello, and fire in any questions that you've got for either of us. But um, then let's start off by just talking a wee bit about Norwich City and where we're at right now. Because I know that you have the ability to look at things from a kind of holistic perspective, a perspective of sort of an informed commentator rather than just a fan. So parking any kind of fan-like element to that, as we tend to do, what is your thoughts so far, or what are your thoughts, if I get my English right, um, on, on Norwich City's business as we've seen it so far? So for anyone that hasn't seen, by the way, just to fill you in, uh, it looks like Norwich are nearing the signing of uh, Christos Yolis, the player uh, from Pauk Salonika in Greece, who I've seen a few videos of him, looks to be a very, very talented player coming in off the wing, a ready-made replacement for Todd Cantwell if he does go. And then just in the last hour or so, Josh Sargent, the striker who played in front of Milod Rasitsa at Werder Bremen, has, is supposedly closing in on a €10 million Euro move to Norwich City. So it's an exciting time in terms of transfers for both clubs, because we will come on to talk about Ipswich, so don't worry you tractor boys and girls that are watching, we will come on to talk about Ipswich. But what's what's your thoughts from, from the outside looking in, as it were, Ben, on what Norwich City have done this summer business-wise? Well, I think the Norwich fans are having to be sort of quite patient. I think there's a sort of slight delay in the market. If I were a Norwich fan, uh, we said this on the previous shows, I said... I would want to see, um, not you know, not for the sake of it, not that it makes any difference, but the transfer record being broken at least 
a couple of times to kind of justify that big um, Buendia deal going out. Um, there's still lots and lots of moving parts. Um, and, I mean, ridiculously, we can now line up, because we've just heard that Lionel Messi is actually going to go out of Barcelona. So, strangely, that's the very top of this housing market. We thought it would mm -hmm. go something like Kane, Grealish, Ings, which would then affect Armstrong. Um, so that's kind of where everything is there. Look, we've been proponents. All of the teams that have been promoted recently have bought on the back end, haven't they? And Norwich have essentially dropped 14, 15 million quid on two players that they borrowed last season. That's sensible. You don't want that going on the balance sheet um, in mm -hmm. the championship because... If you don't go up, you're then screwed for FFP. And Norwich are not the only team that have done that recently. Um, Wolves and uh, Fulham, Leeds. And we've just seen Harry Wilson go to Fulham. And apparently there's not going to be a penny change hands until next season. So those Yeah, that, that's those an interesting one in terms of... Because yeah. what that is, that's a sign of the COVID market for me. Well, and it's a it's a sign of how scared people are of FFP um, yeah. and Liverpool want to shift the player. And it's not a loan with an obligation to buy, but a huge kind of delay in those signings. Um, Billy Gilmore, I liked. Um, I'm glad we're past the ridiculous hype that came after the England-Scotland game. I was feeling a bit badly for him. I kind of thought, look, just get him, get him away from this and let him go about his business. Because basically, there was no story in that game. So Billy Gilmore became the story. The, the, the truth is, the kid can handle it. And his performance was, for his competitive debut, mature beyond his years in an extreme way, I thought. I thought he was the best player yeah. in the pitch, personally. And to yeah, do that was... in a game of that magnitude for your, your first start for your country is remarkable. But that's that's reasonable. And a lot of what was said about Billy Gilmore after that game was not reasonable. It was way, way over the top for a player who sat at the back of midfield and was beautiful and neat and tidy in a nil-nil draw. You know, but, so. but right, right, right. Hold on a wee second. This is good. I'm glad we're getting into the meat of the debate already. Um, <laughs> when it comes to Billy Gilmore, I, I've obviously I've done various sort of bits on various podcasts talking about him and eulogising about him. The first, um, and anyone that listened to the Milot uh, Rashidza podcast that I did with Daniel Hagen will be aware of this. I was first aware of Billy Gilmore in the Toulon tournament a few years ago when he was part of the Scotland team there, one player of the tournament. And at that in that tournament, he reminded me of Xavi because he was the kind of player that he knows how to take the touch into space. He knows how to make the angle for the pass and he can dominate so Just, just quickly, on, on Xavi, has there been a better deep-line playmaker in the last 50 years than Xavi? Depends on what you are. Uh, what I think the like aesthetically. No. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't. I don't think so. If you're talking about aesthetic beauty, uh, so he yes. reminded you of the greatest deep line playmaker in the last fifty years of world. The football. way that he plays the game, absolutely. <laughs> he's got some of the. He's got some of the same instinctual traits that Xavi has in terms of finding space and almost a Pythagorean knowledge of how to make an angle for a pass. That's Xavi-esque. I'm not saying he's as good as Xavi, but, but he reminds you of him. Stylistically, I think he's a very similar player. Interesting. I do you disagree? No, it's just a. Um, I don't. I don't know as much about Billy Gilmore as you, but um, I just felt that um, that the hype after that game was 
was a little bit extreme. And if the game hadn't have ended, Neil, it, it, that was that became the story. And I just kind of felt for the young boy. Look, let him let him get on with his business. Let him go do a season on loan and play a season. Actually, play a season of football. And by know, the way, that's why going to Norwich City is the best possible move he could have had. Going to a team that plays football in an attractive manner. And having the chance to really properly put his roots down as a deep-lying playmaker in the Premier League, that is spot on for me. And I think it will be a great move for him. There's obviously a great trust between Thomas Tuchel and Daniel Farka, which I'm sure has figured into this. And in terms of, if you look at, we're going to come on to Brandon Williams, I'm sure, in a bit, because that's another one that looks to be sort of edging closer for Norwich City as a move. That would be should remind people, in case they're not aware, that would be Norwich City's second loan signing for the Premier League, which would mean that they'd, they'd met their quota for the season, therefore, i.e., no return for Ollie Skip, which I imagine, if they're pressing forward with the Williams business, would mean that Skip's not coming back anyway. They must have sounded that one out. But if you could have picked one player to get on loan from a Premier League team after watching the Euros and you're based in the UK, would you have picked anyone other than Billy Gilmore? I don't know that you would. Um... After watching the championship last year, I'd have picked Dolly Skip. But um, after watching the Euros, to frame your frame your question, then hence why yeah. I framed it thus. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, look, look, we'll see. All I'm saying is, young kid, just just let him do his business, and um, we'll leave the um, Xavi stuff and the Pirlo stuff and all of all of that until he does something in in the game which i'm sure which i'm sure he will the one that um the one that looks good is pierre lise melou and- les melou and for anyone that's not aware I did a podcast about him last night if you want to learn more about him with french football expert jonathan johnson but yes pierre les melou ben but essentially there's now a player in the squad with a load of top level experience which there just has not been at norwich um, top level League league arm with Nice. Mm, not sure but, I agree with that particularly. Can, I think a decent level of experience. Okay, let me, but let the me key re- thing is right. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. He has the most top level experience of anyone in the Norwich squad now, apart from Tim Krull, maybe. Timo Puki. Played top Champions level. League. He's played Champions League and Europa League games. He's been How many? the talisman for I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but it'll be more than a dozen. Um there are probably twenty odd. I would say that if you look at uh, if you, if you look Tim Crow, you mentioned quite rightly, European games are obviously a big arena. International football is a big arena. Um, Pierre Les Malou's never played in the international stage. No, but so, he's played in the French top league for years, hasn't he? The French top flight with middling teams in terms of Dijon. I'm and trying nice. to play your pay your player a compliment. I know. I, I just don't <laughs> think that that comments. I, I I don't think it's top level experience. I think it's important experience at a very good level of football. But is it like commensurate way coming into the Premier League? No, it's not. I would say players that have had more than one season of Premier League experience, take Grant Handley, for example, I think has a lot more experience. If you're talking about the midfield specifically, then I can see the argument. No, no, I'm talking about the whole squad. No, no. Grant Grant Handley, having played five or six years in the Premier League, has a lot more applicable experience than Pierre Les Malou, I would say, for example. Yeah, okay. I would say so. Um, not saying that Pierre Lesmer is not awesome. He's the brilliant preseason so far, which we all know can be deceptive a bit. But he is a player that I think, in terms of the style and the way that he approaches the game, and 
Jonathan Johnson made a really good point in last night's pod where he said he just makes the right decisions. And see in a team that's got quite a lot of young players, see even a player that is that guy that just knows where to be when and makes the right decisions in terms of whether to pass it forward, whether to recycle it, whatever. I think that is a vital thing. And yeah, I've been really excited. In the last 10 seasons, Grant Hanley has played 15 Premier League games. Is that right? Uh, so says Wikipedia. Um, um, hasn't been in the hasn't been in the Premier League since 2011-12. Other than the 15 games he played as Norwich, that really that that staggers me a wee bit. I, I would have thought he would have played a lot more football than that in the Premier League. No, in that time, Pierre Lise Melou has been playing at the top in France, which I would consider. Over 150 games. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 fair enough. I'll, 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 I'll take my licks on that and to an extent. <laughs> what I will say is, no sure Wikipedia is always the best uh, source of knowledge. I would I would probably go for transfer marked myself. But, again, training with Nice or training with squads in the Premier League? You know, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's a bit been in about it. Although, what I will say is, Pierre-Les Malou has come in and has taken to it like a, a duck to water so far. And exactly. if he can... that, that's my point. Someone who can lead in that in that squad where everybody else has kind of been feeling their way at the top level a bit, haven't they? Just on Billy Gilmore. like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Just on Billy Gilmore, I've got to agree with Tomo and CFC. There's more <laughs> yeah, hype right. to come, Ben. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I know I know that, um, Tomo. Yes. <laughs> right, excellent. Um, um just I'm just looking at a few of the comments here. Great for everyone that's getting in touch and, and sort of saying their piece and asking questions. We'll get to some of the questions later. If you've got any opinions on anything that we're saying, then please do fire it up. Other Norwich City business in this window so far. Anyone else stood out for you that you've been quite impressed by? Um, honestly, not yet, no. But I don't think they're done, are they? No. I think they'll... I think there'll be a couple a couple more. And after our last conversation, we we were kind of expecting that um Max Aarons would possibly be gone by now and there would be a big ton of money to spend. So from um from what I hear when I hear Stuart Weber talk, in between his use of the word self-funded in every other sentence, I sense a little bit of um a bit of angst that it's not going as as fast as he's wanting it to. Do you know what I mean? I think he's also very angry at the whole BK8 situation, which um, figured yes. in our last discussion, because that's five million quid, essentially just flung out his transfer pot. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think some I of the... I have a quote. I have oh, a quote. As a club, we don't want to get into the trap of reacting because a few people make a noise on Twitter or do a video for the local newspaper. So this was referring to the video that was made by the Canadian's Trust. And I, don't, I don't know about the video. I must admit, I don't know what that is. Right, so I'm just filling people in. The Canadian's Trust made a video just essentially about how uh, this kind of advertising and stuff does not belong at our football club. And I know for a fact that there was um, an, an incandescent reaction within the confines of Carroll Road after uh, all of these, all, all of the kind of fallout of this happened, I, I spoke at length about what I thought about it, which was basically just read the room, read your football club, read the the the, the thing that people have married into with Norwich City over the last few years is 
the idea that we're all one, you know, the supporters groups, the supporters in the stand every day, sort of man and woman, girl, boy that are watching the team uh, and, and that family environment is a massive part of what people have married into, I think, with the football club. Don't know if I broke up there, if I did, apologies, you but I'm just saying the family environment. Right. Yeah, family environment is really important with the football club. And I think this idea that the team, Daniel Farca, from the training ground to Carroll Road and the city itself, everything just felt united. And at that moment of the BK thing, it just seems like that has kind of it's fallen away a wee bit. And it's it's sad to see, to be honest. But football being what it is and everyone being as fickle as they are, Norwich City start that difficult um, few fixtures of the campaign with uh, four or five points. And I think, and, and especially if we can get like, a really good win on the board somewhere, I think people will be back and all in about it. And I don't, one, one other thing I should say is, I wouldn't underestimate the impact of COVID, fans not being in and around the team in terms of the way that that has disintegrated a wee bit. And I just hope that everything kind of channels in a similar direction moving forward because it's been sad for me to see the, that sort of falling away a wee bit, but I do think we can recover it. What I will say, though, is I, I was I thought they had no choice other than to bin the sponsorship despite the financial repercussions. And the truly galling thing is that they had an existing deal with Daffabet which I don't know the numbers on the Lotus deal, but I'm sure it was more than they're getting from Lotus cars because logic would dictate that if Norwich City are desperately seeking a sponsor, then Lotus hold the upper hand in that negotiation. So, yeah, um, I think the fact that they, they, they kicked the Daffabet sponsorship into touch for BKA was, was a really bad error. Um, and hopefully lessons have been learned at the football club. But personally, I don't think it was a reactionary thing to, to Twitter particularly. I think it was bigger than that. I think it was bigger than the social media echo chamber. I think it was people and what they understood their football club to be about and there being a misalignment somewhere between that and the BK sponsorship and the way that power brokers might have seen it. And you have been warned. Let's have some more Weber. I'm sure there are some fans that when the figures come out and see what we've lost, will be as aggressively moaning. What's your thoughts on that? Um... I understand his point of view and I understand your point of view. Um, mm -hmm. And I look, this is a, we spoke about this. This is a society thing, not just a football thing where it does feel a little bit like the apology, learn your lesson and move on has gone. Whether that's right or wrong in this situation is not, is not for me to say. Um, but I do kind of admire Stuart Webber for not... Because, look, let's be honest, the easiest thing in the world for Stuart Webber to do, the populist thing, would have been to say, oh, it's terrible and we had to do this for the betterment of the club, whilst quietly going, oh, no, that player I was going to sign, I now can't sign. I admire his honesty is is what I'll say. I think that's pretty cool. He's always honest. He's always honest to the point and says what he thinks. And normally it chimes wonderfully with what everyone else is thinking. Um, and even if he says something that's that people don't necessarily agree with, he can usually communicate it in such a way that people accept it. I, I've got a lot of respect for Stuart. He's someone that I know and someone that I've even been in his company, you learn a lot from. 
what I would say with this is I definitely that last statement that you think I, I do disagree with. I, I can't I can't make any sort of bones about that because I do. I, I think it's got to be there's got there's there's got to be an acceptance that <clears throat> things are sometimes bigger than the, the kind of tangible sort of tradable things that you can you can look at, right? And I would say that the what Norwich City stands for as an institution is I mean it's the old you can't put a price on that. You know, uh, and and that's that that's to be honest, that's that's where I come from. In that, in can that I just argument. can I just play devil's advocate because Go for it. yeah, I always remember um, I was in a band and I was in charge, and someone was annoying me, and I wanted to kick him out. Right, and right. Um, one of the other guys said, "Look, Ben, I in life respect if I've done something wrong." I respect having the opportunity to know that I've done something wrong and the chance to make amends and make a change. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I just feel from some of your fans um, and, you know, Stuart Weber questions how many feel your way. There are some who are, no, the best sponsor is the one that pays the most money and that's the best thing for the club. I, I do wonder whether there is a, a scenario in life, and this is what we teach our children. Um, mm -hmm. You've done something wrong. I'm going to tell you what you've done wrong. You're going to apologise and you're going to make good on it. And I just wonder whether there was a middle ground in between cancellation and um, just just ignoring it and continuing and taking the money. Do you know what I, I think, mean? I think as a society we've, um, I was going to say evolved, devolved maybe, <laughs> past yeah, yeah. that sort of measured approach. I think right. everything's like it's all sugar or all the other thing that starts with a shh. You know, I, I think it's one of the one or the other for, for a lot of people. And I think I in think this age of sensation, your club got caught happened. up in that a, a little bit. So, are you talking about the decision makers at the club, or are you talking about no, the club I including think, the fans and everything else? No, no. As in, I feel a little bit sorry for them that it happened at this time now. When ah, uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? When when that is the case. And I think certain big brands feel that they're so scared of, you know, the repercussions of going against the populist moral view. And I'm not saying that that makes it right or that makes it wrong. I'm just saying the moral view that they think the damage to reputation potential um, is greater than the, the money lost. And I don't know. I, I I like what I like the way you framed it. That there is a balanced way often to to deal with this. And you know, again, we do teach children. We don't just say you're never going out to play again. We say no, you can earn the right to go back out and play again by learning your lesson and making good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, completely. I think the other thing that I would say on that score is. Yeah, I mean, it's that that for me is a societal thing. And there was a tweet actually summed up what you're saying about um, it being at this particular time. And that was, and this is particularly pertinent with the reaction to Jack Grealish from Aston Villa fans, which is ridiculous, to and be honest. And hugely interlinked with your transfer business as well. Yes, massively. We'll come to that. Um but Jack Grealish, uh, sort of all the, the furore and Aston Villa fans just been vile to a guy that's been with the club for 20 years since a boy, you know? Just, just Can I just stand on you there? 
a a proportion of Aston Villa fans. There are some brilliant Villa fans who it's not all of them. No, 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 granted, right? Sorry. That yeah, quite right to pick me up on that. Um I think there's been uh, see that reaction that you did see from I don't know whether it's a minority or a majority. I'm hoping it's just a vocal minority. But um, there was, I saw a tweet from a Celtic fan that said, thank goodness Twitter wasn't a thing when Henrik Larson left. <laughs> and it just kind of summed that up for me. What, because... about, Mo, what about Mo Johnston as well? He uh, crossed no, no. himself in the, in the derby as well, didn't I'll he? Tell you what, I'll me. tell you what, that could have careered out of all proportion. Oh, yes. In the case. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you bring up, you bring up, go with Cantwell first because um, Graham Turner and a few other people asking, is Cantwell going? Aston Villa want him. They've gone on the record saying they want him. Uh, so maybe we should take that as they want him. Or, and this is something that I've been looking at a lot more closely in the last year or two, and that is why do clubs leak things like that? So <laughs> you know Aston exactly, Villa... You know exactly why they leak things like that, don't you? Aston Villa, are they doing that to destabilise the player? That could be one thing and, and make him want to go. Now, what remember, I think... remember, Stu, if something gets leaked, it's not always the club. Remember, there's our oh, lovely, no, no, of course, of course, our, lovely our lovely middlemen, and there's the players as well. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. But see, see, it's come for the club, right? Which is my understanding is that this came from Aston Villa's side and it was a source close to them, right? So if they've done that, have they done that to unsettle Cantwell? Chances are they might have done. Or have they done that so that people's eyes go in a different direction? Right, so it's like the old sleight of hand from a magician. So you're watching over here while the trick's happening over here. So maybe they're doing that as a means of sort of diverting people's attention so that they can do a deal elsewhere. So there is there is that kind of element. But Graham asked the question: Is Cantwell going? Do you think Todd Cantwell is going? Um. Well, uh, can you just punch up David's question as well about the about the cash? cash amount because I think that links that links into it and we get um Stu we get the market value versus market value to Aston Villa at this time and what Norwich can sell for granted see see David's question I'm just going to read it for anyone that's listening to the audio podcast back it says no no that's fine do Hodgie and Ben think Grealish is worth 100 million quid also the amount of cash Villa are throwing about maybe they should sign Messi and leave us we can't well um I think they'll be doing well David that's all I'll say to get Lionel in through the door but um yeah sorry carry on Ben so the the hundred million, and I don't want to be completely juvenile about this, but a football player is worth what someone is willing to pay for them at the time where they come up as available. And you know, Aston Villa are in a good position. Grealish is obviously like twenty five and just been a star player in the Premier League for a couple of seasons in the England squad. All of that good, all of that good stuff. Nearly as massively hyped as Billy Gilmore in the. In the Euros, wasn't he, Grealish? The, Justifiably um, hyped, mate. Move on. The the, <laughs> the um the saviour of England a few times, um, uh, Grealish. But don't start me on England fans obsessing about people who are not on the pitch rather than the people who actually are on the pitch. But there you go. So this could work in any number of ways, couldn't it? So first of all, there's a load of money just gone into Villa. So Villa could afford to buy Campwell if they wanted. If I'm Norwich, I'm immediately going, you've got loads of money. If you want to have our player, you can pay us loads of money. And then comes what you were saying, the whole 
unsettling thing because then then it's kind of down to the player, isn't it? If um, if Todd Cantwell wants to make a load of fuss and, you know, make it hard. Um, uh, look, and let, let's be honest, he's um, he seems a good lad. He's, he's not going to not turn up for training or, you know, agitate for a, for a move in that way. But he can make it clear that he wants to go. And the other issue is Buendia. Because now, regardless of what's just been played for Grealish, if I'm Christian Perslow, I can turn around and say, we just signed your best player for X amount. Why are you asking £15 million more for this player? So it could go... Can I I give you one important reason? And that is that he's a homegrown English player. And he he helps helps meet that. And I think the fact that he's a young English player as well probably could... Even though I think Buendia's got a higher ceiling, there's a chance yeah, that Cantwell yeah. has Cantwell has more sort of sell-on value potentially for Aston Villa if they choose to do that. Um, H. Robbins talks come in with a, an interesting thing. He says, or or she says, uh, Cantwell is the only other saleable asset with our, Max Aarons at Norwich. But I don't know why they would need to sell him because they've already sold Buendia. Now, my view on that's quite simple. Football's all about the size of the fish, right? So if you are Man City, then you can buy Aston Villa's best player. If you're Aston Villa, you can buy Norwich City's best player. And if you're Norwich City, you can buy one of Ipswich Town's best young players in Liam Gibbs. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what it's got to do yeah, with. Never, never made a first team appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's obviously got a lot of potential. <laughs> Weber knows a good young player, and so do the scouting team. Um, and Flynn Clark as well, for Peterborough, is another one that we'll, we'll probably not go to in any detail, but it's nice a, to see Norwich City. Re- a more relevant example, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's nice to see Norwich continuing to populate that under-23s with good good players with a lot of potential. Um, so I'm going to move out, on. Look out for McCallum at QPR. I think that'd be really good. Um, yeah, it's well. going to be an yeah, interesting move. move. That. He's going to be, I mean, the, the thing is, with your newest now there, it's like you, you need McCallum to be getting football. Sam McCallum's a cracking player, commented in a couple of 90 minutes of his last season. Commented? Commentated on a couple of his 90 minutes last season and just just a, a good, solid operator. Who, very good. Yeah, very good indeed. But he's also, he's, he's got a bit about him going forward without being one of those players that can't defend. He's a nice mix. And that's... You, have to, you have to do so much in that in that wing back position oh, nowadays because the the boys at Liverpool have just changed the game for all the all the fullbacks now, haven't they? And yeah, a lot is expected. Yes, indeed. Now, going to just quickly touch on the ones that might be coming through the door at Norwich City. Then we'll move on to talk about Ipswich. Then we'll do some questions that'll come in from you guys. So thank you very much. Um, if you are enjoying the podcast, of course, then if you're listening on the audio podcast, please do make sure you subscribe to Hodge on Nodge. And if you're enjoying this, I was just shy of 900 subscribers on my YouTube channel. So if you've not subscribed, then please do so. Um, I don't have a prize for the 900th subscriber other than the honour itself of being my 900th subscriber. So there you go. Um, but yeah, but let's let's talk about the, the names about to come through the door at Norwich City then. So... Uh, start off with one that you'll you'll probably know a bit better than the others, and Brandon Williams. What what do you think of him as a, a potential player for Norwich City to bring in? Now, quickly give you my take. I think having someone that can play on both sides of the defence and is a good young player with a lot of potential that can develop at Norwich City, but also a lot less injury prone than say a Sam Byram is. I think having that player that's comfortable on both sides and proper dynamic modern fullback in the elk of that that we were just speaking about, Ben. 
I think is a, a good move from Norwich City. But as I say, I also think it shuts the door on on any potential of Ollie Skip coming back. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those where I'm, I don't know, I'm not. Oh wow, right, that's going to solve a big problem um, over at Norwich. You know that one. It, it, we've been talking a lot when we've been doing the predictions in the Championship about um, our clubs in. Um, positive recruitment mode or negative recruitment mode, as in, has their team got better or worse? And, like, if you plonk this Lee Smellu character in, um, great. You know, Les, me. Les, like Les Ferdinand. I don't, I don't accept the premise that everyone should pronounce every word the same way, so <laughs> especially not in a language that I don't even speak. But Les, oh, mate, you're so easy to wind up. Les, what, whatever, hey, whatever. Um, but... Uh, when, when, so I've just got his heat map up and he's essentially played right back for Manchester United. And I mean, you mentioned he can play the other side and I'm kind of like, OK, well, Aaron's is very good. And um, Janoulis, they just dropped a big fee on him. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Look, I just just from my point of view, I think um, are there other areas of the pitch where you can plonk someone in like Gilmore or Les Le Lough? Le Melu um, <laughs> in there um, to, to help out a bit more. So it's not one that massively excites me. But obviously, look, Manchester United, great, um, great club, obviously going to be have some very, very good habits. Um, but honestly, no, I'm more excited about the Greek fella that you're probably about to come on to. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to talk about Yolis just quickly and the other Greek fellow, his former teammate, Yanulis. I think has had a really, really encouraging preseason from the the sort of bits that I've seen and read so far. And my feeling is he's going to be one of those players. He's taken six months to kind of acclimatise uh, to the team, and and obviously then we've dropped the the fee on him. I think that is going to turn out to be really, really clever from Norwich City, giving him that time to do that because he's a fullback that is tailor-made for the Premier League. I think his game is just going to be brilliant. I think we're going to be much more solid defensively on that side as a result of having him as as our full-back. So, and I think he'll be able to play if we do at any point move to a three in the back and want to have him on one side and Aaron's and the other really bombing forward. I think he's got that in his armoury as well. So I think I think all of that stuff is, is very encouraging for Norwich City. But yes, you bring me on to Yolis. Now, it's spelled Tizolis. But um, I'm informed fairly reliably from a couple of Greek accounts that I saw on Twitter that's pronounced Yolis. Now, with that in mind, um, a few comments in about him. David Berman says, I like the look of Yolis from YouTube videos. He's a young player, so plenty of potential to improve in the future. Um, And there are a few others just saying, yeah, we quite like him. We we like the look of him. There's obviously the videos kicking about of what he managed to do in Europe. Uh, last season when he was playing, and I think it just it's it's almost the perfect kind of signing for Norwich City to make. It's a young player with bags of potential. He's another one that could easily, if things go from go for thirty or forty million quid out the door, and just perfect for that that Norwich City kind of thing of bring a player in on a relatively cheap fee. Though this will be a big spend for Norwich City. And then just throw them out the door for three or four times your money, you know. Um, it's not quite the ratio of Buendia, which was um, one point five or something. And then oh, he's, loads, he's... loads on the back end on that one. It was five million when they got promoted. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It did go up, but one one point five before any add-ons, and then 
flying through the door. But every Stuart Webber transfer has got loads of add-ons, whether it's in or out, um, which is apart actually quite from, good. Apart That's from what... Pookie, who apparently never cost anything in any signing-on fees or agent fees, um, according to Norwich Twitter. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, you've got B in your bonnet. Uh, and I mean, you should be happy. Ipswich are doing business as well. But yeah, Yolis, I'm really excited about me. I, I just think it's one... I mean, I'm still one for the first thing that I check if it's a player that I've not seen that much of as I go on and look at him in Football Manager because there's a reason that scouts at football clubs use it. And, yeah, I had to look at him on there. I thought, yeah, I mean, if this is approaching accurate, then, I mean, this looks like... Stuart, it's just about the balance now. Um, And, again, I'll harp back to my... um, Norwich just need a couple of... And I think Gibson will help. And you mentioned Hanley, mm-hmm. Krull, um, Les Melu um, in the Good middle man. there. Do you know what I mean? Just through the team, I just I I, I feel if if we're going to see Norwich stay in the division a few seasons, they just need that that core, and then these young players can. You, you have just young players; they need they need they need leadership around them, don't they? I I think it's just about the mix with it with a young player like that, but I'll. I'll bow to your superior knowledge on. No, on, I, I on think that. I think with him, a lot of it for me as well with him and the success or not of that transfer comes down to how does he settle? How does he settle yeah, in the yeah, squad? Yeah. How does he settle in up, a new yeah. country? I mean, imagine. I mean, what were you doing at nineteen? I was. I, I was going. T- to... I couldn't tie my shoelace for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's folk for Suffolk for you, mate. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, sorry. Um, that, that was. You owe me a few. Don't, don't worry. Uh, no, that was crossing the line of respect for me. I do apologise. And by the way, anybody <laughs> that's watching this podcast or listening to it for Suffolk, I'm so grateful for it. Um, anyway. I would say that Yolis is one that I'm very excited about, but it does feel like the... I mean, if the fee is what we expect it to be and what's been reported, uh, it's it's that there's going to be an a, element. That's a club. That's a club record, Hodge, though, isn't it? That's a club record. Yeah. Uh, Rashidza was a club record. Sergeant, if he comes for ten million euros, that's going to be a considerable chunk as well. Uh, so I think we Rashidza well, and in, that's encouraging, isn't it? It's not. It's well, not, he was always going to gamble this summer, Stuart. Yeah, it's because, not messing about and, you know, just adding a few players that don't really improve anything. It's it's, it's not bargain basement stuff. Yeah, You're not going into home bargains yeah. for, for, for your, your transfers now. And But the thing is, right, I, was, I said coming into this summer, it's going to be really exciting to see Stuart Webber actually able to do some stuff, you know, with a bigger budget. Now... What I would say is that that comes with the caveat that these are, in some ways, I mean, you're breaking the transfer record. I did expect it to happen more than once. It looks like that's going to happen. That comes with pressure, and especially on the shoulders of a 19-year-old in Yolis's case. So there's quite a few different aspects to consider there and that you need to you need to just bear in mind in terms of as you look forward. Last one is uh, Josh Sargent, who I didn't see that much of. Um, I must admit, again, I'm, I'm going to be just videos that I've seen, stuff that I've read. But I do know people that cover German football regularly and someone that I, whose opinion in football is a respect as much as anyone in the world has texted me and he's said he's not a natural goal-getter. He'll probably be in the kind of duck-kite mould. So what we're looking at there is someone that can hopefully facilitate the rest of the team round about him, doing quite well. But it depends what kind of role Norwich City seen him playing. Uh, and Sargent, I think, to be honest, even for that outlay of €10 million, Euros would be the third option. 
I think he would be the third option, such as their confidence in Adam Ida. But also, we're, of course, the thing that if Ida is he's obviously a young player, if he's in a poor spell of form or whatever, then Sargent can maybe step up. And again, he's a different kind of option from Temu Puki. So I think I think he's the right kind of transfer for Norwich City to make. Obviously, it would be great if we could get a 30-goal-a-season striker in, but I don't think that's realistically going to happen. So go for someone that helps make the rest of the sum of the parts better, which seems to be the kind of player that Sargent is. If he can help the two men cutting in off the wing, score more goals, that'll be good. Another thing, just to, to, to quickly run by you, Ben, obviously you'll probably have noticed that Norwich City are, are deploying a different formation going into the Premier League this season. It looks like it's going to be a 4-3-3. Did they do that in the friendly the other night then? Yeah, uh, I, well, okay. I mean, I didn't see the game, but like looking at the team, I'm pretty sure that's the way it was structured. And what it seemed to do is it gave a more solid base, but also when we had possession, rather than it being the three and then the striker, it was like all of the midfielders were coming to support. So if you can actually get service in and also for playing in the counter, I think it'll work really well as well because we'll just have that... Whoosh, absolute jet setters sort of out in the wide areas, be that cutting in or sort of hanging wide. I just think there's, I just think this formation is better for where Norwich City are at in terms of in relation to the rest of the Premier League. It's all well and good playing a 4-2-3-1, whether that's the 2018-19 version of swashbuckling symphony of football or last season where it was more solid, but oh, still, still really massive, effective. Massively attacking though. Um, yeah, it was still massively season, attacking, but... But there was a there was a more solid base there. Whereas what I think is that kind of combination of factors, but then putting a three there. And also I should say, Billy Gilmore, I think, would be much, much better in a three than in a sort of two with the way that Norwich City are going to be playing play, next play on his own from what you were saying earlier. Ah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I think that 4-3-3 oh, is going to work Seven better. Gilmore. Uh, I, I, we'll see. <laughs> uh, do, do you know? I think he's going to be great, and I think put it like this: I think after his season at Norwich City, any sort of misfortune has befallen him aside. I think he will be knocking on the door of that Chelsea squad, even with N'Golo Kante in front of him. I think he'll what be a player. A he is. Mate, he's the best in the world at his yeah. role, but no, he's I'm, not. He's not a deep line playmaker, though. No, he's not. No, Reese James no. and Mason Mount have done it though. They've managed to managed to get in, so the door is. The door is open there now when it was about John Terry and 20 years of no players coming through at Chelsea, wasn't it? Yeah, well, John Terry's such a delightful man that it's no surprise. Eh? Um, I no. don't know him personally, but what a player. Brilliant footballer. <laughs> now, uh, what I would ask you is just sort of to sum up, Norwich City, transfer business, do you think they've gone about it? Just, just short answer, do you think they've gone about it quite well? Um, I can't say that yet, but I suspect I will be saying that by the end of the window, probably, you know, normally you've got lots and lots of targets and it's always quite innovative and it's certainly a step up from last time. But of course, the, um, the big elephant in the room is that Buendia was so good, wasn't he? And, you know, that has to be mitigated. So there's how it looks on paper, um, versus what transpires then in well eight days nine days time when it um when it absolutely starts off but look i think those guys look they've still got credit in the bank from their from their first um transfer window haven't they so i think the trust is the trust should be there for um those recruitment guys 
Excellent stuff. I just muted myself while I put some of the comments up. Thank you for everyone that's brought your comments in. But I want to talk about Ipswich because obviously Norwich City are at home this week. So uh, the format of this podcast, which I should maybe have mentioned at the start, is that whoever's at home will talk about first. And usually the so when it's on Ben's channel in a couple of weeks' time, we'll probably start off speaking about Ipswich in a bit more depth, but there'll still be plenty of Norwich City stuff. So what we're going to come on to speak about Ipswich Town now because I think it's it's been a really exciting summer south of the East Anglian border as well. I look at the the kind of players that have been brought in to that squad. Paul Cook, I'm a massive believer in. I said that in the last pod on your channel. And I look at some of the some of the players you've brought in. George Edmondson didn't play a lot at Rangers, but had some games where I thought that's that's a player. He's got a a, a very very good. Uh, potential to to go on and, and be at least a championship player. And I look at the signings that you're making, and it, there's so many of them that I look at. Lee Evans has been a championship player. Scott Fraser will be a championship player. Jo- Connor Chaplin was brilliant for Barnsley in some spells last season. Raheem Harper as well, massive potential. Edmondson, I mentioned, Macaulay, Bond, Hladke obviously played quite a lot up here with St Mirren. Always seem to have good games against the big teams, which is always a good sign. And then we, Joe Piggott was an interesting one. Uh, I think, I think that's a signing to get out of League One rather than a signing that's going to do it in the Championship. But quite a lot of the rest of the signings, I think, Ben, are players that will be able to deliver for Ipswich if and I expect when they get promoted. It's it's just gelling it now, isn't it? It's um, on paper. All of those signings, Connor Chaplin was player of the month in the championship, not um, December 2019 for Barnsley. George Edmondson was okay with Derby, you know, stunk the league out, but in the championship. Raheem Harper was loaned to Birmingham in the championship. Uh, Matt Penny, we're not 100% sure whether that's ultimately going to be used. Um, Pigger, I think you're probably right. Um, it's a trusted League One player, 23 goals for AFC Wimbledon. But lots of other people wanted him and it seems to have annoyed lots of people that he came <laughs> to play for us. Um, Lee Evans, as you mentioned, worked for Cook and um, Wednesday, um, uh, Wigan before. Yeah, I, I, think, I think just on Evans specifically, I, I think we spoke about him the last time, but just see for a manager having a player they know that can can really gauge the temperature for them and just set up a bit of the culture. The- Going to be the captain as well, Stu. Yeah, oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So that that's that's unsurprising because he's obviously Paul Cook's lieutenant in the in the dressing room. But I just think for a player in, in League One, he's going to be a great captain to have. And I hope so. uh, you, I mean, you've obviously got that kind of reticent to get too carried away type thing going on. But th- this must be an exciting time because it's been so grim being an Ipswich fan for so long. It must be so nice to have players coming in, a manager that you think can do well. And it doesn't, you know, you get these teams that spend money and it just feels like kind of throwing spaghetti at a wall. There's none of that. There seems to be a structured plan to make sure that they address the areas of the team that need addressed and address it with young talent as well. Young, hungry players that can, I think Ipswich are going to be a lot more attractive to watch as well. I I just, I would be a lot more excited or at least a lot more visibly excited than you, I think. You can tell you don't support a team that hasn't had a promotion for 20 years, don't you? <laughs> it's just, it, um, Ipswich has a way of making you very, very cautious with your optimism. But look, 
The comparison I keep making is um, to Wolves in the Championship in 1718. And of course, I'm not saying Scott Fraser is Ruben Neves, but what I'm saying is Wolves brought in a whole load of players that were essentially going to be for the next level. And that seems to be what Ipswich are trying to do. Ruben Neves in the Championship was obscene. Oh, Willie Bolly! Willie Bolly didn't sprint all season. It's a joke. It's an absolute mental. joke. It's Absolutely so mental. Good, yeah. Um, what I would say just just on Scott Fraser quickly, um, that you mentioned, I've spoke to Russell Martin quite a bit about him, who he obviously worked under at MK Dons. And by the way, best of luck to Russ at Swansea. Great. That's not sure it's the right move for him. Yeah. I'm not sure it's the right move for him, but I yeah, think it's brave. absolutely the right move for Swansea City and, and best of luck to him. But I spoke to him about Scott Fraser and he had only good things to say about him, you know. And I, I think he was surprised in some ways that he went to a club in League One rather than a club in the Championship. And he says, ah, yeah, he's definitely destined to play at a higher level. So, yeah, Scott Fraser's one that, I mean, I, I really, really, obviously when I'm being Scottish as well, I really liked his game. When I commentated in MK Don's games, and I, it's obviously seeing him go to the Tractor Boys is not ideal, but at the same time, uh, you, you wish him all the best. And I, I think so many of your signings there, I just look at and I just think this reeks of a team that is 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 going to go up automatically. Well, and that's that was the point I was going to make is that Wolves, like from the word go, they were sorted and they were you know they were just too good. So. That's the hope, but look, let's be honest. No Ipswich fan will be surprised if um, if Morecambe take the lead in the 60th minute on Saturday and win one nil in the in the big opening. Look, it's just going to be a matter of how quickly can he get them going. And I just wanted to come back on the point um, about people like Fraser and Harper dropping, you know, or or essentially not go into the championship. There's almost a sense, A, that if you're Ipswich with the way finance is governed, you're actually better off spending in League One than you are in the championship because the rules are less tight. There's stuff on salaries, but not on transfer fee. And no one in the championship's got any money other than the three new parachute teams in Bournemouth on their year two payments. So... I think a few of these players have kind of seen Ipswich and, and Wigan as well are playing big salaries as well down mm. in there. They've they've seen that as, oh, well, I'll, I'll go there then. And, you know, I'm being sold this bill of goods that they'll be in the championship sooner rather than later anyway. But look, there's no, there's no guarantees that it's all going to gel. But in theory, it's a bit of a League One all-star um, team at the moment with a manager who's also done very well in this league and yeah. um, been at the top of it as well. How so do you feel paper, about this? It makes yeah, all yeah, the yeah. sense in the world, but you're not, you're not going to get any confidence from me. Don't worry about that. No, fair enough. How are you handling the flack from other sort of glory hunting, let's call it, teams in the in League um, One? Teams like your Portsmouths and the likes that... They kind of think they've got a kind of divine right to to, to make sure they go up and, and almost seem... Uh, obviously, Portsmouth had their spell where they spent a lot of money and then they were absolutely skint. So they, they've seen both sides of the coin. That's just why I brought them up as an example. But if you look at them, you look at Sunderland and fans of some of these clubs actually getting their knickers in a twist about Ipswich. Oh, massively. Look, I get it. No, nobody, nobody likes the team that's 
been rubbish and mid-table and stunk the league out for the last two years, then all of a sudden gets some new owners backed by a massive pension fund that can then outspend anybody. Um, in the general sort of sporting landscape, the way you want to win is, you know, some tactical innovation and having the best team and young players coming through. That's the um, most virtuous way to win. Um, so I get it. I get it. But <laughs> football's not virtuous, is it? And let's be completely honest. The one correlation in football that's gone right the way through is the teams with the most monies end up end up winning in the end. And It's annoying, um, isn't it? It, and it, it is what it is, and we don't have a, a revenue sharing model or anything like like that in this country. I don't think we ever will. I think we're far too far down the um down the um the path. They'll, ha they'll have that in whatever incarnation the Super League comes. Oh, back stop in. it! Yeah, right. Um, I will. I will. I expect that before yeah, the end of the right. decade. But that's a darker topic for another day. Yeah, let's not, um, let's not get it. But I totally get why other fans are annoyed in the same way the Villa fans are annoyed that this um oil money is buying their star player and their and their captain. So I get it, but when you're the a same, fan the same the Villa team, fans that think they've got a divine right to sign like two of our best attacking players. So it's le it's levels, isn't it? And you know, Man City have got way more money than Villa. Villa have got way more money than Norwich. Norwich have got way more money than everybody in the championship and Ipswich has got way more money than Everybody in League One apparently at the moment, and I'll I'll take it, but I totally get why other, especially I don't know people like Fleetwood who no that then maybe they're not a good example because they had they had money, but there's teams there that have built really nice nice squads over the years in League One who won't be able to beat Ipswich next season, and it's purely down to the down to the money, but I'll I'll take it after. You know, no promotions in the last in the last twenty years. If it works, yeah, you, you've got to be due on me. And I must admit, if anyone other than Paul Cook was at the helm, I would question it. But with Paul Cook, I just think I, I just have a confidence there that it'll all happen. Um, it, unless just, something untoward. I mean, football being football, anything could happen. in The dressing room not, could become fractured. Not even football being football, Ipswich being Ipswich. If there's a way to <laughs> even lock this. Open goal, no lose scenario. Ipswich will find a way. They're probably losing the playoffs. So they're losing the playoffs. Semi. They'll bring back away goals for that one game. And they'll lose on away goals to um, I, I don't know to Charlton again or Sunderland or something. Fun, fun, fun. Right, should we get some questions, mate? Yes, do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Right. So one for each of us from Lee Pitts. He asks, "Is the top six bare minimum, Ben?" Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I would say so. And Hodge, have Norwich got enough firepower up front and where do the goals come from in midfield? I think the goals come... Pierre Lesmalou's shown he can shoot from range. Kenny McLean can get, break into the box and get a goal. I think there's going to be goals from the back, maybe, because I can see us being a bit more effective in the opposition box from set pieces. I also think Billy Gilmore's passing. And what we've kind of done a wee bit is we've replaced what we've lost with Buendia with a few different players. So Lesmalou's got the tenacity... Billy Gilmore's got the eye for a pass. And I just think, I actually think the formation's going to play a lot into it, Lee. I think that the the fact that Norwich City are going with this 4-3-3, I, I think is going to yield some goals. Adam Ida looks full of confidence during pre-season and is really being pushed. Well, he's been by... linked. He's been linked as a, as a nonsense. main fight, isn't he? Nonsense. 
Nonsense. I'm, that, I'm that, just that, telling that. you what I've heard. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. That's a red herring, though. Like, I, I had a look okay. into that. I thought, I thought it was, I'd actually tweeted earlier about it. Um, unless the situation has changed markedly in the space of a few weeks, then Norwich City are really, really high on Adamida. And I definitely couldn't see it being used as a make-weight for Armstrong, to be honest. And that interest also ended weeks ago, um, given what, what Blackburn were looking for. So, yeah, that's that's a complete red hair in that one. Um, but, yeah, I think Norwich City's new formation can, can, can yield some goals for us. So I'm quite excited about that. Um, and that comes on to what David's asking, the rumours that Ida will be used as part of a deal. It's, it's just nonsense, to be honest. Um, John Fernley's got a question. He asks, and this isn't Norwich or Ipswich related, but we are we will take questions, and we have spoken about Jack Grealish already, um, and it's obviously got Wendy in there. John Fernley asks, did Villa know way back that Grealish was going, and therefore buying Buendia was a move quite early in the window to, to, to mitigate that? I don't think that's the case. No, I, I don't think. I think Norwich knew that Buendia was going early in the window, but from what we hear... Um, Villa Last season, to be honest, I think it was after yeah. that Bournemouth game, the conversation yeah, happened. Yeah, quite. Um, from what we hear um, from fairly decent journalists, look, it is speculate. I don't know. I wasn't in the room, but we hear Grealish got offered a ton of money and they would have paid what um, Man City are going to pay. So if this was a done deal, then you wouldn't see Villa attempting to completely rewrite their wage structure at the 11th hour to try and, of course, they're going to try and keep him there. He's a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant player. But um, yeah, so no, I don't think, I don't think they knew he was going, but I think they might have known they were going to get Buendia. Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, Paul Woodrow actually makes a point, but I'm going to turn this into a question. He says, with Yolis and Sargent looking like joining soon, clever work by Weber, with them playing with Yanulis and Rasitza previously. That seems to me like something that's been underappreciated here. That existing relationship that players have with players from other clubs, which helps in a kind of twofold sense. One, it gives them someone that they know and I imagine get on with if they agree to the move uh, to in the new dressing room, in the new country, the new situation. But also in a footballing sense, it's someone whose game they know, someone that they can dovetail a bit with on the field. I think that's, I, I agree with Paul's assessment. I think that's quite clever. From, from the recruitment team at Norwich City to, to do that that way. I mean, do you see that making a bit of a difference, Ben? Um, it can't do any harm, can it? I I wouldn't necessarily go out and sign a player specifically um, because they played with another player. I'm sure there's been a lot um, of due diligence gone into um, all of these. But, yeah, Tyson and Muren works, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, fair point, fair point. Um, I have uh, another question here from Graham Turner. He's saying, how positive has Ben about the Ipswich signings? I'm doing a grand job of hiding it, but look, I'm very, very positive. And um, just look, the last couple of seasons, okay, Ipswich got Norwood and he'd scored loads of goals for Tranmere. And, you know, they got Alan Judge and he'd been very good four years before, before a horrible injury and we got optimistic and then all of a sudden in like the same evening there he is Alan Judge um <laughs> in the same evening you get in Connor Chaplin who is I I would say a championship player I, I could not believe that by the way yeah like, so, I mean I think I messaged you on WhatsApp I was like Connor Chaplin like yeah, wow yeah and and George Edmondson and this uh, we we think and you know how bullshit I am about transfer fees um reported three quarters of a million for for each of them as well which is just a 
no one in the championships spending that. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so so happy with them. But again, um, yes, the optimism will be nothing more than cautious, and um, I will not be embarking on any of these nonsense HMS. Um, P-I-S-S <laughs> the league things that we've seen the last two seasons followed by 11th place finishes and, and mate, the like. Mate, so. ju- just, just a question, um, like see that HMS that you mentioned <laughs> I actually think it set sail, did it not? Um, it, it certainly didn't set Absolutely sail did, from, mate. Yeah, maybe a little bit further north Yeah, but, yeah it wasn't um, going for Harwich or anything like that like, it was definitely... No, no, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't over in the marina mm. down at Ipswich, put it that way yeah. Do you know what, that's the nicest bit of that town just, just for the record, I, I think that marina is really have you, nice. have you had dinner on the boat? Um, uh, not the boat. I've had dinner in one of the places beside it. Yeah, uh, that, I think that's owned by the same the the same group. Lovely. Yeah, very, very I know. Nice I know. It's, it's, it's very present. Uh, very present. I can't speak tonight. Pleasant. <laughs> um, obviously, I practice doing podcasts. Mister Radio Floyd asks, "Will the bias be at the door when Ipswich hit the championship next season?" And let's assume uh, in one <laughs> parallel universe of determination that Norwich City end up in the championship as well. How do no. we handle that as a show? Do you think? Um, with class, a little bit of humour, um, mm-hmm. balance. We look at the information. And look, um, Mr. Radio Floyd is an Norwich fan. And he always watches my stuff. And he knows that I'll be respectful um, to his team. And I was, as they um, brutally accumulated 97 points last season. P-I-S-S-E-D, the league, might be a good way to put it. Yeah, right. But no, it has to be. It has to be that way now on on my channel. Look, I got a bit carried away with England, but why the hell not? That was that Fair was play, a bit of, yeah, And you know what? It was a perfect. It's a perfect tournament for me. I didn't want you to win it because obvious reasons. But I love Gareth Southgate, and he had an amazing tournament as a manager. So that element went really well, and we beat you now. Now, so like <laughs> easy peasy. And- and um, Billy Gilmore quote ran the game quote had all the England players in the po- in his in his pocket. Mate, he did. He had them on toast. All, we we are spread. All of that because I tell you what, the only ones on toast were the ones that hugged. Um, who, who's the ones that got COVID? I can't. I can't even remember now. Mount- uh, it was Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell. His Chelsea mates. Yeah, which yeah, was. That was- um, I wonder if there was a bit of secret agent action at play there. No, by the way, I should say that is a joke um, in <laughs> yeah, case yeah, anyone right. takes that the wrong way. Um, but um, no, of, of course, the bias will be left will be left at the door as always. Yeah, good man, good man, good man. Do you have... I'll tell you what, let's end with a wee twist. you get any questions for me? Maybe I'll hit you with one before we go. Oh, God. Um, Putting you on the spot there, bro. Well, I listened to the... Um, after when Farker signed his new contract. I listened to the um, press conference there um, and I found Stuart Webber's um, messaging. They were right on message. I know I joke about the self-funding thing, but I'm not joking now. Very on message with that. That was mm-hmm. ceaseless through the press conference. They they want to put the word self-funded into all the journalists' heads and all the fans' heads, uh, every option. So they were on message there. But Webber's flip-flopped a little bit to from, oh, I'm done after five years and I leave the club in a better place, to I'm very relaxed about it. If I stay, I stay, I go, I go. That feels like a big switch um, from my point of view. What say you? Wouldn't read too much into it yet. But I also think it's quite telling that he's not steadfastly sticking 
to what what he was doing, and I think he was very very set on that. But maybe speculating here, don't have any anything to base this on, but just logic, kind of logical thinking, is that maybe with the way that the world is right now, it's not the best time to uproot your family and and go abroad or do whatever. Can I put my my tinfoil hat on as well for one second? Go for it. The bloke that might have thought he might be getting his job at the end of the season has just gone to Middlesbrough, yes? Could be a factor. Could be a factor. (laughs) But there's there's plenty of talented recruitment people in Norwich sitting around the game that Stuart Webber knows. I'm sure if he wanted to anoint another successor than he could do. The more interesting way of looking at that for me is, would Kieran Scott have stuck around to have a crack at Norwich if he thought he was getting it at the end of the season? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what that's what my, that, that's uh, that's what you were getting at. Right? That, that was my Alex Jones hat on my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, so I and uh, in, in, in the in the info wars question, then <laughs> I would say uh, that I think the info is pointing towards it's not necessarily set in stone what happens next. I don't think he's definitely staying. I don't think he's definitely going. Some kind of nice rolling contract arrangement might be arrived at, mightn't it? I think the difference is he was definitely going. I thought he was definitely going, and I don't think... did I? Yeah. I don't think he is. Um, Chris Lacey saying, ah, missed this show. Can I just address um, Nick? Yes. Nick quickly says, am I going Saturday? Just for anyone who watches my stuff, I will not be going to any football matches probably for about six to eight weeks um, because my missus is very, very pregnant. And we've made an agreement that um, having worked from home for the last hundred years, I'm going to work from home for a little bit longer. So no, um, I'm I'm hopefully all being well going to be a daddy very, very soon. And I won't be going to any, but we'll be doing watch alongs and whatnot from this lovely room, but I won't be going to any games. My brother, well, obviously... Like football's one thing, family and stuff's yeah. more important. So wish you all the best, mate, mate. Absolutely. Um, and I'm pretty sure I echo the thoughts of, of anyone watching this who who loves your stuff. I'm sure everyone's wishing you and your missus well with that. Um, do I have a question for you? That is the question to finish. I would ask some S Housery on the way now. <laughs> no, actually not. Um Come on, then that just hangs me out to dry because I've been horrible to you all night. No, that's all right. Do you know what? You're you're the one that's preaching classiness, right? And you know, if I'm just (laughs) carrying myself with class, that's the difference, mate. Some of us preach and some of us practice, bro. That's all. Um, No, I changed my intro to this show. So the last time Hodge on Nodge was at home, I remember you. I, what was the exact turn of phrase you used? Yeah, like basically you were getting on about how ostentatious the drum fell at the end oh, of my intro was. Yeah, I was. I was drumming along to that behind, um, but I'm not on the. I'm not on the screen for then, am I? <laughs> but I don't know if you noticed this week. There is a more, and actually for a number of weeks in my pod, there's been a more streamlined version of that after your previous criticism. Did you enjoy? Absolutely not a criticism, by the way. No, 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 no. By the way, it was well over the top. I thought that when I put it up, and then it just needed you to actually say it in a podcast. I like, and I was like that. I like Keith Moon and Phil Rudd equally. Different drummers for different fair needs. Play. Yes. Fair play, fair play. Actually, my mate pointed out to me exactly what you said about it. I'm going to try and uh, bring it <laughs> up. Uh, I know, I can't find it. It's going to take too long. But yeah, um, I think... I think the uh, sort of self-indulgent element of the intro has gone. So my question to you is, do you like the streamlined version better 
or did you like the overindulgent version better? Because I'll, I'll tell you what, if you like the overindulgent version that allows you to drum fill off screen in the background, I'll bring that <laughs> back for the next Behind Enemy Lines. There's a promise. That's pure partridge. He always drums along in the in the studio, doesn't he, while the, while the <laughs> songs are playing? Um, look, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with Adam. Don't talk to me about intros today because I randomly... Um, I did my first preview show of the new season and I randomly, I think I typed in fun into the YouTube audio library, literally the word fun and picked the one third down, liked it, made that the theme tune for my preview show. Get this comment earlier. It's embarrassing. You've stolen all Leeds TV's theme tune. And I'm like, what are the chances? A, of it being the same and B, somebody on the internet criticising me for it. Third, so I'm- third, third element. What is the chances on Leeds TV being fun? They wanted right. it to be fun. Hey? They wanted it to be. They've had plenty of fun over the last few years, haven't they? So, yeah. Um, no, no, David no. says you need some decor items. <laughs> I agree. Right. This this has been a point of note. Now, what I should say is, at the moment, I'm working out of a spare room. Right. I did not choose that. That is so just my, there. My that one is not big. You your setup's amazing, mate. Let's not compare mine to yours and because it's not big. actually. It's, it's the opposite, right? It's the opposite of Norwich City and Ipswich. What you're doing is you're economising space, but you've added quite a lot of talent and class yeah, look, into that it, room. It's exactly right? like Norwich and Ipswich. Look, I've got <laughs> lots of expensive stuff that's ultimately doing nothing, and you've got a nice, <laughs> nice streamlined, nice streamlined thing that um, is is what you need to get the job done. Yes. See that lampshade? I'm going to start calling that Billy Gilmore. Right? Oh, okay. it's, the, it's the light. Is it, it's the light shining the way for us. You know, is it is it the best lampshade in the last fifty years of lampshade? It's the best deep lying lampshade I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Radio Floyd's got the suggestion a canary hanging from the lampshade. Maybe as long as you don't mean an actual previously alive canary having the canary in the coal mine. Yes, then 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 I'm all that. Um, <laughs> David Berman says your space is very feng shui, which. Yeah, I, I it's, it's like very, very warm in the summer, and we have two lights <laughs> on here, so I'm kind of sat here in my in my shorts and shirt the whole time. So. Did you apply any kind of methodology when you were putting that together, or just what you thought looked good in a camera? Honestly, um, if we want to go into this, we try. I've tried it in three different uh, ways throughout my channel. This the desk has been in three different um, three different places, and I've got a we can see here like a L shaped desk now and then everything points hey, back. Elf loser because you're an Ipswich <laughs> fan, obviously. There it is. There it is, everybody. We, <laughs> Sorry, we I knew, couldn't resist. We knew he couldn't last, do we? Once we went over the hour mark, we knew his true <laughs> colours would, would come out. Old savvy over there. But um, no, it's, it's all good. And um, I've got a lovely big whiteboard and I've got all kinds of... I'll, I'll do on my Patreon. I'll do a... So I've got all kinds of statistics and things on the wall. So when you see me come up with some really brilliant bit of knowledge, but I've just gone like that. That's me reading it off the <laughs> off the wall up there. But interestingly, right? No, don't quote me on this. And if anyone's like a detective, then tell me if I'm wrong. Feel free to contact me, DM me on Twitter or whatever. But I think I remember reading something somewhere that when people are lying, they always look up and to the left. <laughs> yeah, and right. that's where you've placed your statistics. So basically, anytime you're quoting stati- well, lies, damn lies and statistics. Was exactly. Kennedy said that. So yeah. I was watching something the other day that said that's all nonsense, that it's incredibly difficult for one human to tell when another one is lying. And, you know, we're, we're basically not equipped to do it, but there are supposed to be these. But I can't remember what it was I was watching that 
I'm sure those behavioural psychologists must be able to refute that somehow. Like, I'm sure they try, but no. yeah, um, we've 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 known some pretty epic liars get um, pretty pretty far in life, haven't we? So we have indeed. Psychologist announced his new insert political party name, chairman. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> no, excellent, mate. Do you know what? We could sit here and just talk nonsense for an hour. Actually, maybe we should do that on one of our off-season pods next season. Obviously, we're building towards a new season now, but maybe yes. just, just talk nonsense for an hour. <laughs> like, just with some semblance of Norwich and Ipswich in it, maybe we just talk nonsense. Take some questions. Take I have questions, yeah. I, I've, I've had a great time, mate. Thank you to everyone that has watched, put questions yes. in, come in with their opinions. I'm really grateful. And I'm grateful to you for being so patient with me, mate, even though I had yeah, to no sabbatical because I've come back refreshed, ready to go. And champion Billy Gilmore for the entire season now, given the the, the hiding that you've given him verbally today. Let's give it right. Let, let's just clarify this um, clearly. I have not given the guy a hiding. I no, felt, you've suggested. I felt, I felt that some of the um, coverage he got after the England Scotland game was not helpful for his betterment um, as we go forward in his career, and it was. Um, uh, God forbid football people exaggerating for effect, hey? Okay. We will see how it goes. But I'm gonna champion him all the time. You haven't you haven't actually slagged them. You've done that very, very clever thing where you've just allowed things to hang in the air without any oh. directly attributable critical quotes. I've, I've said nothing. No, you actually you actually haven't criticized him, but what you've said is no. that he's not you've you've inferred, mate. You've inferred you've inferred that he's no as good as people think. And then you you gave me a derisive look when I said he has some of the traits of Shari. No, 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 no. I just I just I, I personally uh, and you're my friend, so I can say this, I don't think that's helpful for the player to be, you know, for people to be saying those type of things. But it is what it is. It's not it's not about any any difference to him, but um We'll see. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be great. Honestly, I'm sure it'll be absolutely. I think it'll be really great. good. Yeah. And I, I think, I think seeing a player with his level of technical ability that's from the UK, and particularly for me from like three miles down the road, is going to be really exciting. And um, yeah, David Berman actually sums it up. He says Billy Gilmore it seems very chilled and takes things in his stride, and he's done that since he was a young teenager. That's one of the qualities that makes him special. What? And I, Adam finishes by saying Billy Gilmore is king. I would oh. say he's the prince at the moment, but he will be king one day. Can we all agree, though, because you're a music fan, he's not even going to be the best Gilmore, is he? Uh, Mr. Radio you... Floyd is maybe going to hate this answer, but... Uh, <laughs> you I, don't I, like Pink Floyd, right? I, I'm not a massive <laughs> Pink Floyd fan. And Dave Gilmore's guitar is... I mean, to be honest, like... He, he, well, you think my intro was self-indulgent previously? Oh. Most of his guitar is quite self-indulgent. Oh, controversy! And it's about music Ooh. and no football. Um, how, do, do, have I offended you, Ben? I'd never be offended by Lewis. Um, I always liken it to um, to people, you know, getting upset if oh, I like salt and vinegar crisps and you like plain crisps. Everybody, everybody likes what they like. Um, I do like to chill, and uh, to be honest, I like to watch live footage of their incredibly long songs and just drinking the the ep the epicness but no it's a, each each to their own hey each to their own. Do, do, do you know what i i know and it's good like we, we both seem to have the ability to wind each other up that's something that's quite I'm common to the four in this perfectly stuff. 
perfectly calm, honestly. No, I know. I don't mean in a, in a <laughs> thing way, but it's like we, we can both get value at each other. I like that element. Now, nice. um, on Gilmore, I w- all I would say is, and actually Roger Waters, rather, my mate let me hear um, the Amused to Death album, the Roger Waters one, uh, which was one of his solo things, I think. And I said, like, this guy doesn't sing. He sounds like a university lecturer. And I would stand by that if anybody ever listens to that amused to death, then aye. And fair play to Mr. Radio Floyd. He says, variety is the spice of life. And that's that's good. Um, I love it. We've turned into a music debate in the channel. Actually, someone earlier on said that you need to give us a tune one day. Is there any chance of that happening? Shine on you crazy diamond. Very nice. There you go. <laughs> I, I can't even do the the organ part. There's an organ or something in that. Isn't there? <laughs> three minutes of organ before anything. Of course, there's three minutes here. <laughs> Unnecessarily long and turgid, man. Yeah. Oh, if you're there and you're in the in the zone. Exactly, you know. man. It's about getting in a headspace and all that oh. sort of jazz nonsense, mate. Just play a song. I'm into punk music. Three minutes and you're done. Boom. Oh, Easy lovely. peasy. Yeah. Four power chords. Happy days. Don't need anything else. Absolutely. <laughs> no, listen, I jest. Thank you very much to everyone for watching. Thank you to you, Ben. It's been great being back on with you. Two weeks' time, we'll be on your channel, right? We will, and Ipswich will have already played um, three or four games by that point as well. So we'll have a bit of a bit of a better read, hopefully for um, you Norwich guys. You've had a good start, and probably two or three more players would have come in by then, I would suspect as well. So, yeah, it should be a good one. Be over on my channel um, unless uh, Baby is delayed and born around. Oh, but by the way, that that should be added in. Like, um, anything happens yeah. that, that family takes priority, mate. So if the schedule doesn't quite get back up and run into the, the concurrent two-week slot that we originally envisaged before my sabbatical, then... Um, but look, I, if, I we mean, have to pre- if we have to pre-record it, we'll pre-record it. But yeah. we'll, find, we'll find a way. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll be back on your channel on the Thursday, the 19th. I'm actually commentating EFL on the Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday before that. So there's a chance that my decor, which we've been speaking about tonight, will be a travel lodge the next time. Yeah, lovely. Uh, Brilliant. Um, But no, listen, thank you to everyone who's been patient with me in terms of waiting for me to come back. It's been lovely for me to see the amount of people that have basically kind of stayed with the Hodge on Nodge podcast, both in the audio format and the, the video ones. We had a really good watchership last night, if that's a word. I know listenership is. Watchership. If it's not a word, I'm inventing it and coining it. We had really good numbers last night that watched it. We had really good numbers Viewership. again. Viewership. That's the one. See, that's that's why you've got the big channel and I've just got the wee one. <laughs> um, I no, I think it's been really nice for me to see that, and I'm really grateful for everyone. And if you have enjoyed the podcast and you're new to my stuff, then please do follow me. You can find Hodgie the Hack on all of your social medias. If you're listening to the audio podcast and it's the first time, then make sure and click subscribe. If you do click on the YouTube and you have enjoyed this, if you want to see any time I'm doing a video, hit the wee bell and you'll get a notification. But all that remains for me to do is to thank you, Ben, for coming along. Thank you, my man. You're welcome to thank all of our watchers and listeners and just say on the ball city